We are continuing our series this morning through the book of Jonah. Um, I've enjoyed this series so far, and we're just about halfway through it. Um, I've heard the story of Jonah for years growing up, but again, it's so amazing how incredibly powerful this story truly is. Because like Jonah, and maybe like some of you today, I know what it is to run from God. And even though he's tried, uh, even though I've tried to get away from him, I'm always amazed at how he pursues and ultimately finds me. So the title of my message this morning is the one that didn't get away. And we're going to see how Jonah tried to run from God and yet he ultimately was caught. And I'm so grateful he was. So the one of the things that I've found interesting with the book of Jonah is as I'm preaching on it, I feel like I just have this need to share some things about my life. Always try to be transparent as much as I can, but I feel like part of the illustration here is I have to share some things that don't always look the greatest. A couple of weeks ago, some of you know you were freaked out. You're like, Pastor said he didn't want people to go to heaven. I was like, no. I just don't want them to live next to me. There's certain people you want to live on the other side of heaven because God can bless them over there. But (laughs) I have to be honest with you this morning. I have another confession. Years ago, there was a season in my life where I actually committed a crime. And for a brief time, I was actually on the run from the law. Yeah, I know you're like, oh, man, we got to pray for pastor. (laughs) What horrible sin has he committed now? Well, let me explain it to you. When I was a teenager, um, I had some errand I needed to run. And again, it sounds really holy. I actually was going to our church. No one was there. It wasn't a normal service. It was just a weekday. I can't even remember why I had to go there, but I was like, oh, I'm supposed to go there. I need to get something from there. It'll just make my life a little easier. I'm going to stop by the church real quick. Drove to the church. As I got there, I realized I forgot to get my dad's key. My dad was a board member, so he had a key to the church, and I didn't grab it before I left. So I was like, well, let me just check and make sure somebody could be there. Side door that we normally go in, locked, but you know what? Check the front door. Front door was unlocked. Wonderful. Amazing thing happened, though. As soon as I opened that front door, our church alarm sounded. I know, yes. So the all the flashing, the sounds, and me and my calm teenage expectation decided to panic. And so I slammed the door, ran out of there as fast as I could. And I grabbed uh, the keys to my car. I got in my car and I drove away because there was something I realized in that moment. I had driven to the church without a driver's license, not because I had left it at home, but because I didn't have one yet. (laughs) I was like really close. Like I was about to get my driver's license really soon. And that was close enough. (laughs) And I lived in Kentucky. You know what? We were like riding cows to school, whatever. So I was like, this is not a big deal. I just real quick. I'm just going to go to church. it's, it's, It's for the Lord. So I drove to church, and I knew the moment that alarm sounded, they're going to call the police, and the police are going to come to church, and they're going to ask me for my ID, and I'm like, I have no ID. And they're going to ask me why you're driving a car without a driver's license, and then they're going to keep me from getting my driver's license. I can't have that. So I took off down the road. Just down the road was my dad's office. He owns his own business. So I did have the key to that building. So I drove in there and opened the door, locked it, kept all the lights off and I hid in my dad's office 
And I just sat there and I prayed and I waited till police cars started driving by and I saw all the lights going down and I was really just crying and be like, Jesus, please, I'm so sorry. I'll never drive illegally again if you just get me out of this and please don't let the police find me. And it was really, I was this close because they have this rule if the alarm goes off for the church, they have a list of people to call. First one is the senior pastor. Senior pastor was out of town for some reason that week. Then you know who they start calling? Board members. And you know whose dad was a board member at that point. And I was just freaking out like, oh, no, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Speaking in tongues as best I could in my sin. Like, Lord, please (laughs) have mercy on me. And so thankfully, they called a different board member. He came. They looked around the church, realized somebody was an idiot and set off the alarm, but probably didn't know what to do, whatever. So um, they didn't come searching for me. I waited probably at least a couple of hours, just sat there in the dark. (laughs) Finally, after I felt like the coast was clear, I drove back home and did not tell my parents a word of what happened for a long time. They already know, so they probably forgot. Now they're watching online being like, he did what? (laughs) Well, I, I had that moment where I was on the run. And you know what? For a while there, every time I saw a police car, I tensed up a little bit. I was like, oh, no, please don't find me. You know, That's what it's like to live your life trying to run away when somebody's trying to catch you. And that's ultimately what we're going to see this morning in the story of Jonah. We have this, uh, this amazing passage here where we're going to see him on the run. And I know Katie did an amazing job talking about that di- downward spiral that Jonah was on. And I'm not going to go into all of that, but I do want us to see how he was trying to run away from God. But ultimately, God found a way to catch him. So if you have your Bible, I just want to reread the first few verses there to kind of set the stage for where we're at. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 says... Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So again, basically... Jonah is a prophet in Israel, and he gets this message from the Lord that says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, this city about 550 miles northeast of where he's at. And he says, I don't want to go that way, God. I don't like the Ninevites. I don't really want to be there. I don't want to go on that long journey. So what does he decide to do? Not just sit and do nothing, but he decides to run. And he heads east, or I'm sorry, west, as far as he can go. Tarshish, again, is probably about 2,400 miles in the opposite direction. So he's not just avoiding the issue. He is on the run. He is living a life on the run as a fugitive from God. He knows what he is doing is wrong, but for some reason in that moment, he stopped caring. Have you ever been living a life on the run? And maybe it's just been the stress of life, the battles of life, the conviction of God, whatever it may be, but you are overwhelmed, so you decide to go in the opposite direction just because I don't want to have to deal with it. 
And there's a million things we can run to. What is your Tarshish that you tend to run to when you don't like what's going on in your life? For some people, it's just food. For some people, it's drugs. For some people, it's alcohol. Some people, it's binging YouTube or Netflix or anything else. It's just trying to hide to get away. But no matter the method, the goal is still the same. I just want to run. The problem, though, with trying to run away is that it does not make your problems go away. Often it just makes them bigger, and it's amazing how the farther and faster you try to run, they have a way of catching up with you. You will get caught one way or another. And inside, you may be just saying, you know, no, 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 I'm the exception. (laughs) If I can just get away from this job, from this relationship, from these problems, everything's going to be okay. And I believe God is desperately trying to get our attention, just like he was Jonah, saying all this stuff will still chase you and you will get caught. But it's how you respond to getting caught that determines what happens next in your life. Let me describe to you what a life on the run looks like. If you are living a life on the run, the first thing you got to realize is you are always on the move. Someone is a fugitive. Rarely do they just say, hey, we're going to move in and just live here. Often they are going from place to place to place, never settling, but just constantly moving, constantly doing, constantly getting to the next place. And that's really what you see here in the life of Jonah. Because I think more than he wanted just to get somewhere, I think he just wanted to run and be moving. So he, did, he could have run to a million different places, all a shorter distance than Tarshish. I think he just wanted to find the farthest place he could imagine. And for the known world at that time, Tarshish, they believe, would have been probably in Spain. So they don't know what's beyond the Atlantic Ocean there. So for, so for Jonah, he's sitting there saying, that is far away from here as I can get. I will spend the next who knows how long just moving and going and getting to the next place without ever really getting there, just constantly trying to move. And maybe, maybe in your own life you have found something similar where maybe it's not like you're physically moving, but maybe you're constantly on the go. And there's times I've been that way in my life, but I've seen it in so many people where we have so much going on and we are just so busy and we're trying to run from this or that. And we use the avenue of just always staying on the move, always staying busy. So I've got to get to this event for my kids. I've got this hobby. I've got this project at work and I've just got to run and I've got to run and I've got to run. And somehow I keep running, but somehow there's still something missing in your life. And you're just busy, busy, busy. I had one person tell me not long ago, they were so busy, they didn't even have time to eat. I was like, I've never been that busy. <laughs> As you can, I've never been so busy. If I have to grab a Cheerio on the ground in the floor of my van for my kids, I will find something to eat. <laughs> I am not that busy. But there's been times where I have been running and running. Times I'm so consumed with keeping up with these sets of neighbors and padding my resume and making sure our kids have a million activities so maybe they can get a scholarship and then we're going to keep doing more and we're so overwhelmed and then we complain about how busy we are and how much we got going on when in reality we are the ones who often create that mess because we're just running and running and running and God is saying maybe it's time to slow down maybe it's even time to stop. 
Now, again, most pastors get nervous when we say this because then people are like, Pastor, I just decided I need to stop doing anything at church and stop serving because God told me just to stop. And I was like, well, okay, let's back up here. (laughs) It's not that you can't have a season that is more difficult or even more busy, but really the reality is, are you using that to run away from God or is it something that can ultimately be drawing you closer to him? Because if you're just busy, or even if you just try to avoid doing stuff, that's another escape. It's still just trying to get away from the things that God is trying to deal with in your life. And you will never find that rest. We talked about it in our community groups uh, this past week with Jonah. Jonah is on the run and he's asleep on the bottom of the boat. But do you see what happens in the middle of his rest? He has woken up. There's always something else to interrupt that rest. Very different from another passage where you see Jesus asleep on a boat and his rest was totally different than Jonah's. If you are on the run from what God is asking you to deal with, you'll never find that same kind of rest that God wants for your life. And ultimately, if you just run and you run and you run, you will be exhausted and ultimately it will suffocate your life and the relationships of those around you. Because not only do you have to keep moving when you're on the run, you also often have to keep others at a distance. Because if you're on the run, you can't get too close to people because suddenly they're a liability. And suddenly they start asking too many questions and they may want something from you. So if you're a fugitive, you keep your relationships at an arm's length away from you. And it's interesting how the Bible stresses two or three, at least three times in this passage that Jonah is trying to run, not just from his calling, but from the presence of God. And I I think it's because he knew what he was doing. You know, um, he knows, he's a prophet, he knows that God is everywhere. So it's not like he's sitting there wrestling. It's like, oh, if I go over here, God's not here, but God is at this place. I think he is just on some level saying, I'm walking away from God. I know it's a bold statement, but I mean, that seems to be his attitude. Is to say, God, I don't don't want to do this anymore. And I don't know all of the backstory of what was really going on in Jonah's heart, what was going on in his life. Many scholars even contemplate maybe... Jonah even had a family or friend or loved one who was killed by a Ninevite. There's some reasons to think things like that could have been possible. But whatever reason was going on in his life, Jonah seems to be done. And he says, God, I don't want this. And I'm going to get away from everything and everyone. And you see him more and more isolated. And that is exactly what Satan wants to do keep you running so you will never get close. So you will never have those people who can hold you accountable, not because they want to keep you down, but because they love you and care about you. That's one of the reasons we have community groups. It's a place where you can be connected to a community of believers who will walk through life with you because you were never designed to do it on your own. But over and over again, Satan will try to convince you, you know what? You don't need to share. Don't share that prayer request because what if somebody abuses it? Don't, don't, don't trust them with what's going on in your life. You can handle it on your own. Don't, don't go in that group because you know what? It just, maybe you're too busy and he's trying to keep you away. And then over time you start to say, you know what? Maybe that whole church thing wasn't even the most important. You start pushing away the most important relationships until ultimately like Jonah, you're trying to push away God himself. This was the prophet of God 
who was used in powerful ways. And now he's pushing so many people away, he's, it's almost like he stops caring. I, I'm amazed when you read this passage here, and I won't read all of it again in chapter one, but it talks about him and these sailors, and they are begging him, this storm is really bad. Will you call out to your God? And never once do we read him doing anything about praying to God because he already knows I've kind of, I've kind of pushed God away. And these other people are suffering. And Jonah seems so nonchalant. He's like, yeah, it's pretty bad right now. <laughs> We're dying, Jonah. Yeah, well, I kind of got my own problems and own issues. And I'm so consumed by me running away from God. I stopped caring and have the, I stopped having the bandwidth to even care about those around me. Because I'm in this isolation mode. Don't get too close. Don't deal with people. Are you in a similar boat where you're pushing those around you away and you're on the run from God and even those around you. Not only are you keeping others at a distance, but life on the run usually means at some point you're going to have to get a fake ID. You are going to have to live under a false identity. And I see this all the time. People who come to church or even just walk around town, whatever, and they try to put on a fake ID like, I got it all together. Everything's great and wonderful. I am blessed and highly favored. <laughs> when inside, their life is falling apart and they're being ripped to shreds. But we gotta, we got to pretend like everything's okay. And God is saying, I, I want to deal with something deep inside of you. And you don't have to keep running. Jonah's doing this whole act where, again, he's still honest and says, yeah, I'm kind of running from God. But I'm just heading to Tarshish. You know, what's the big deal? And the sailors are like, all right, I guess that's what you want to do. But where's the real Jonah that's sitting there saying, I'm supposed to be a prophet of God. And he's living a different life. He's no longer living the life he is called to be. He's no, living, no longer living under the identity that he was called to be. And I've seen that again in so many people's lives. God has called them to be one thing, a plan and a purpose to be his child. And they're living some other path and saying, maybe this is who I am. And our society is full of this. They love to throw different identities on your face and say, well, maybe, maybe you're gender neutral or maybe you're homosexual or maybe you're anti this or maybe you're pro this or maybe you're in this group. And we're trying to find identity because we don't know who we are. And in the process, because we're on the run from our true identity, we start to believe every lie that Satan throws our way. He starts telling you all kinds of horrible things about you and how messed up your life is. And I can't say all of it for sure, but it sure seems like at this point in Jonah's life, man, he's hit a dark place in his path. Because the moment they get to this place where they're like, what are we supposed to do? I think, why couldn't Jonah just sit there and say, you know what? Maybe I should pray. Maybe I should repent because I've been on the run from God. He doesn't. Do you know what he does instead? He says, you know what? Why don't you just throw me overboard? It's my life that's the problem. It's my life that's messed up. If you just get rid of me, you won't have to deal with these problems anymore. I guarantee you God did not tell him that. But I guarantee you Satan was whispering in his ear over and over again, look how bad you've messed up, Jonah. 
I don't think God even wants to deal with you anymore. You are worthless. All you are good for is to cause problems for other people. You know what? The only path of escape for you now is just to end it all. And unfortunately, I've seen people wrestle with that battle. Some lost and some won. But they wrestled with their own self-worth and their own identity because they got to the point where they were listening to the lies of the enemy so much, they started to believe it, and they started to believe that God believed the same thing. Like they overlay that on him. You know, it's like, I think God thinks the same thing. He thinks I'm a messed up screwball, and he thinks I'm worthless. And God never said any of those things, but they are confusing their identity with one that the enemy is trying to throw their way. But I'm so grateful something amazing happens. I wish often it didn't have to be the lowest point in our life, but many times it does. Again, Jonah, I truly believe, could have repented at numerous points along this process. Before he got on the boat in Joppa, even on the boat, while he's on the sea and there's the storm, a million different situations where he said, you know what, God, you got my attention. I repent. I'm coming back. And I think everything would have been great. But over and over again, he's like, nope, I'm still running. I'm still running. I'm still running. To the point where he just kept going down. And I know Katie talked about that downward spiral. And you see it in these passages. He goes down to Joppa, down to the ship, down to the bottom of the ship. He's thrown down into the ocean, down into the belly of this fish. Down, 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 down. Until he's at his lowest point where he says, you know what? I think my life is over. And it's amazing how in his lowest point, it's one thing to say, I don't want to really live anymore. I think it's another when you actually face it and a little bit of panic sets in. It's like, oh my goodness, I'm actually going to die. And something happens in that moment that is phenomenal. Jonah gets caught. He gets caught by a big fish, which is so ironic. Instead of the guy catching the fish, the, the fish catches the guy in the middle of the ocean. And he's there in that fish because the power of God decided to catch up with Jonah and he couldn't run any farther. He couldn't run on his own ability anymore. He kind of gave up and he stopped running for just a moment and God says, finally, now I can catch you. Have you ever been caught? Have you ever been caught red-handed? Again, I grew up in a small town and things that happened in a small town were spread to everyone else in that small town. Half of them were relatives. The other half were the other relatives that related to each other. And they all talked. I remember one time, again, I was, for better or worse, the choir boy of church. My mom literally directed the choir. I am the choir boy of church. And I was known as that reputation that, hey, Jeremy's a good kid. He goes to church. He does all the right things. But again, I'm not perfect. So another law I happened to break was speeding one time in town. And it was kind of embarrassing. It was kind of frustrating. It was right in the middle of downtown. And I got pulled over by a police officer. And you know what happens? There's a guy who drives by. And his name is Alan. Alan is the loudest, most talkative person in town. I'm not related to him. But he talks, and he is known as the mouth of the South. That was, that was who Alan was. And I'm like, of all the people that drove by, there could have been little old sweet ladies who would have just prayed for my blessed little heart or whatever. Alan drives by. 
Before I could even get home, my parents knew that I had been pulled over because Alan's calling up everybody. Hey, did you hear what happened? Jeremy got pulled over by police. He's, you know, and all this stuff. And I was like, oh my goodness, everybody in town knew. I couldn't get away with anything because everybody knew. And not only that, you know what was even worse? My mom talked to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> And he would rat me out every time. There were times where I was like, you know, I didn't even think about it. It wasn't a big deal. And my mom would walk up and be like, Jeremy, Jeremy is there something you want to share with me? No. <laughs> Are you sure? Because I was praying today and the Holy Spirit was telling me there's something you need to share with me. All right, I did it. I stole whatever cookie or what. I don't know. You know, it didn't matter. I couldn't get away with anything. And so I eventually I stopped trying. I would have friends that'd be like, hey, Jeremy, you want to go do such and such? I'd be like, no, I don't. Why not? Because the Holy Spirit is there. And he talks to my mom, and I will be dead before I get home. <laughs> and at times, it felt frustrating. But, you know, looking back, what a blessing it was that I couldn't get away with things. Because, you know, I had friends that did. And you know what's worse than not getting away with something is actually getting away with it. And I saw some of them go down some paths and things in their life. I am so grateful I never got to go down. Because before I could even get there, I had praying parents and praying grandparents who were calling out to God. And God was saying, hey, you need to address this in his life right now. Because if he goes down that path, it's going to hurt him. And I want to protect him right now. He needs to get caught. Do you understand? We think getting caught by God is this horrible thing that we dread and push away, but it is a blessing from God. And that is exactly what God is doing in this story with Jonah. He's on the run, but the real story, the real miracle here is that he gets caught. Can you look with me at Jonah chapter two? And I just want to read the first three verses real quick, and then we'll read the rest a little later. So it says, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. So he gets thrown in the water. God appoints a fish to, um, to catch him. It says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish. Again, he had all these opportunities to stop and pray. When did he stop and pray? When he finally got caught. And he said, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. And he answered me out of the belly of Sheol, which is another word for the grave. I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Do you know what God was trying to do? I think there's several reasons why he wants to catch you. I think one of the first most practical things is sometimes he just needs to get you to stop, to get you to stop running. And I wonder if in this moment, Jonah is finally forced to deal with the things going on in his life, maybe he didn't even know some of that stuff was in his life. Because before, everything was great. God told him to prophesy good things and about prosperity and all this stuff. But suddenly God asked him to do something hard. And there's something inside of him that he didn't even maybe realize was there. And he takes off running. And he's running from the thing that he's afraid to face. And God is saying, you know what? We need to have a sit-down talk right here. Because we need to deal with your heart. This was not God's punishment as much as it was his preservation of his life. And I wonder in those moments, 
in those like bouts of consciousness as he's in that fish trying to get air and trying to figure out what's going on. I'm sure he contemplated and said, I think I'm going to die. But as he's sitting there in between those moments for three days with nothing to do, nowhere to go and nothing to distract him, if maybe he started to contemplate the things that he had been running from that whole time. Again, I don't know if he was frustrated at himself or if he felt overwhelmingly guilty. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say, but the one thing it does say is that when he was in that fish, he started to pray and God heard him. And you may be even now sitting in the belly of your consequences and it doesn't always feel good, but I'm telling you, God has you there for a reason. And when you pray, God begins to do something. Again, don't get me wrong. The Bible says he prayed and he was still there for quite a long time. It's not like, well, I said a quick prayer and now everything is fixed. Again, sometimes there's still those consequences that don't go away immediately. But that process of healing in Jonah's life, I believe, began at that moment and led to real victory and real breakthrough. But it started by God saying, first things first, Jonah, let's just take a moment and stop. But then he does something else. Let's look at verse 4. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed up upon me forever, yet you brought me up. You brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple." I love that part of that verse where he's questioning, God, do you even see me anymore? I am driven away from your sight. But I just want to remind you this morning, God saw every single moment Jonah was running away. And he never lost sight of him. And his catching him was not just to show him who's boss or just to stall him. It was so much more. Trust me, I, again, I'm not as good as God. I have stalled. If any of you have ever had kids that are um, toddler age, there's this amazing shift that happens. When they're a baby, they just sit there and they don't go anywhere. And it's wonderful. You literally can just set them on the ground and they just stay there. And you can do all kinds of stuff. But then something incredibly terrifying happens. And they become mobile. And they just want to go everywhere. And that's why some blessed person invented these things called playpens, which are like baby jails. And uh, sometimes your kids like them, sometimes they don't. You try to throw as many toys in there. It doesn't matter how much it costs, how many toys you need. It'll be stacked all the way. Just please stay inside your little pen. (laughs) And I've been guilty. How many of you, if you've been a parent, whether your kid liked it or not, you put up that pen and you put them in there so you could go to the bathroom and you could have a moment just to yourself and just like... I love you, but I need me time for a second because I'm about to die. (laughs) And if I'd let you loose, you would just, you know, destroy the house and kill yourself. And I can't have that because then I go to jail again. I hate that. And and so we just put them in that little prison just so we can get something done. I think sometimes that's how we view God. Maybe God's just punishing me because he has nothing better to do. Maybe he has other more important things to tend to. So he just kind of puts my life on hold. But this is what's so powerful. You serve a God who sees every single moment. 
And it's not by accident. It's not because he's too busy. But he sees you in the deepest, darkest pit, even pits that you yourself dug for yourself. So incredible in the story of Jonah. It was no one else's fault. It wasn't just circumstance that brought his life to this low point. It's Jonah because of his own mistakes, because of his own rebellion, ended up at the lowest point of his life where he is ready to kill himself, thinking God stopped caring because I stopped caring as well. And God is trying to get his attention. Jonah, Jonah, I never lost sight of you. I know the enemy told you that, but I have seen every moment of your rebellion. I've seen every moment of you being trapped in this sin and this downward spiral. But I got your attention right now, and I'm catching you, not because I'm here just to punish you, but I want to give you an opportunity to change things. I want to change things in your life. And look what God wants to do. One more passage here. Jonah chapter 2, verse 8. It says, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Because salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. I know that's kind of nasty, but it's also pretty powerful. I think it's so amazing that this whole time, Satan is trying to pull him down. And God was constantly trying to lift him up. He comes to him and says, Jonah, arise and go. Jonah, arise and go. And constantly Jonah's on the run and he's going down, going down, going down. And and God is not there just to beat him across the side of the head. He is trying to lift him up out of the pit. And Jonah, I am not trying to kill you. The enemy was the one trying to kill you. I am trying to renew and restore your life. That is what he is wanting to do in our relationships as well. We serve a God who loves you so much. And he wants to be right there with you. I love how um, Isaiah 30 verse 18 says that the Lord longs to be gracious. Do you understand? It is not just a side hobby of his. It is his desire and passion to show mercy to your life. Whether you deserve it or not, he is trying to say, I am here for you. Jonah was trying to push God away and God was trying to get closer to him. Jonah was being drugged down, but God was trying to lift him up. And I love how close he is. We serve a God. And I love that verse too that talks about how there are others that worship worthless idols. And they don't amount to anything, but my God is powerful and alive and he is near I loved how, again, several years ago, we did get to go to Israel, and we took uh, one of our our little side tours or trips, whatever, was to the garden tomb, to the the tomb they they supposed possibly could have been where Jesus rose from the dead. And on one of the doors there, they have this big sign that just says, he is not here. Isn't it amazing? We go and pay money to this trip to go see something that's not there. It's like, what's in here? Nothing. That's incredible. (laughs) I paid to go see that. (laughs) Nothing. Because he's not in a tomb. He's right here. He's right there next to you. Maybe in your tomb when you felt like your life was over. He says, I was right there beside you the whole time. And I saw you. Just like Jonah, I called out in my distress. And he heard me. Even though I didn't deserve it. I can't believe it. It's such a miracle. 
that no matter how long or how far you have tried to run away from God, did you know you're only one prayer away from him responding? I've been running for years. Well, one prayer can change all of that. That's how close your God is. It's like he's right there behind you the whole time waiting on you. I'm waiting. Today might be the day they respond. Today might be the the day they turn to me. And the moment you just make one turn, he's like, I'm here. I've been waiting. I am longing to be gracious to you. Every battle you face, every tear you've cried, the Bible says that he collects them. They are not wasted. He didn't miss them. He was right there the whole time. And so, again, I don't know who's been running. I just want to encourage you. You don't have to wait till you get to the lowest point in your life. Jonah could have responded at any place along that journey. God was just patient enough to say, if it takes you getting to your lowest point, I'll go with you to your lowest point. You will get caught one way or another. But how will you respond when Jesus tries to catch you. Worship team, if you make your way back up. You know, just, just a few days ago, I was actually listening to a podcast from uh, another pastor in another part of the U.S., and he was actually interviewing a couple of gentlemen who had just <laughs> incredible testimonies. And... Um, I don't, won't share both of them, but one of them um, was just sharing about growing up in church and how, you know, he had a, a praying mom and, and family and he knew kind of the right from wrong, but over time he kind of veered away from God. He struggled with his identity up until the point where he was living a homosexual lifestyle and just kind of somewhat turned his back on God. It felt like the church abandoned him as well. Just said, well, you're just a sinner, so there's nothing we can do with you. And, no one cared to kind of help him walk through that battle. And he said, though, he said, my mom the entire time kept praying for me. He said, like, almost every week she would call and say, you know, hey, son, are you, are you going to go to church this week? He's like, mom, I haven't been to church in years. <laughs> what do you think I'm going to do this week? And he said, you know, it kind of stayed in that level where he kind of gave up on God, wrestled with it, but ultimately was just kind of walking away. And he said to one week, his mom called him somewhat frantic and said, son, I had a dream and it felt so real and so vivid. I had a dream that you were in some nightclub and there was blood everywhere and bodies. And I'm just praying. I felt like your life is in danger. And he, he said, my first thought was like, man, my mom's trying really hard to get me to go to church. It's like, okay, look, it's not a, you don't have to try to scare me there. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just not going right now. And he said, It was about a week or so later where he was invited with some friends to go to a nightclub in Orlando called the Pulse Nightclub. And if you know or don't know, in 2016, there was a mass shooting in that gay nightclub. And about 50 people were killed and about another 50 or so were seriously injured because this guy just came in and just started shooting everyone in sight. And when he shot somebody, he would go and check and try to shoot them again to make sure they were dead. It was just horrible. And the way they described that scene was obviously very traumatic for them. But he said he was there in that scene and people all around him were literally dying and somehow he didn't. 
And he said he ended up on the floor and didn't even know what was happening. And he literally said, there was a guy who came in and drug me out. I have no idea who that guy was. I've never found him. I've searched for years, but somehow God saved my life in the lowest time. And he said, I wrestled with it and what God meant by this and why was I spared and my mom's dream and her prayers for me. And he said, I wrestled with it. And he said, ironically, even shortly after that, I was diagnosed with HIV. And he said, just, man, I couldn't, I couldn't get any lower. He said, but somehow in the midst of that, for the first time in years, I decided to pray. And he said, he called out to God. And he said, God spoke to me. He said, you know where you've been running. And he said, it was a big deal for him because he had become somewhat known for this whole shooting and things like that. And part of the gay community, he was one of their heroes. And he said, I made a post. And he said, I, I, I lost a lot of friends that day because I simply wrote the lines, I no longer identify as LGBTQ. I now identify as a child of Jesus Christ and my life has changed. He said, all my gay friends were mad at me and the Christian friends didn't know what to think of me or whatever, but still all I knew is I reached my low point. I honestly thought I was gonna die. But in the midst of that mess, I prayed and my God heard me. He had been running for years, but it didn't matter. It was one prayer that changed everything. And now he's sharing his testimony of what God has done in his life and how God's continued to grow him. And it's incredibly, incredibly powerful. I say that to remind you of the mercy and grace of God. Your story may not be as dramatic as that. I don't know. But you still have a God who sees you in your highest and your lowest places in life never lost sight of you. God sent a stranger or an angel, I don't know, to drag that man out of death itself. And I think a part of, a large part of that was because a mom was praying like crazy for her son. And God answered. That's such a miracle in itself. That God hears you and he answers. And this morning, God is reaching out to you but he's still waiting. He's great. He is anxiously or anticipating like just, he just is so longs to extend his love and mercy to you, but he will never force himself on you. And he is waiting for you to make that choice to say, God, I don't want to run anymore. Maybe you've hit rock bottom or maybe you haven't. Don't wait until that moment, but either way, no, you serve a God who longs to be gracious to you. If you would, with every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, whether you're here in this room or you're watching online, God brought you here for a reason. I don't care if you think somebody drug you here or you just happened to turn on this or whatever. God is ordaining this moment to reach out to you just like he appointed a fish to be there right when Jonah needed it the most. And you don't have to run. You don't have to fight. If you will simply surrender to him, you'll find how much he loves you. And there will be freedom and life and he will lift you up out of the deepest, darkest pits imaginable. So if that's you and you're in this place, 
and you'd be honest enough to say, look, I don't have a relationship with God or my relationship is not what it should be. I've been running from him and I want to stop running today. And I need him to forgive me of my sins and make me clean. I just want to pray for you this morning. I'm not going to embarrass you, but if that's you, would you just slip up your hand all over this room so I can believe God for you? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Man, God brought you here for a reason. Can I just pray for you this morning? I just believe God wants to speak to you even more than me. I think he wants to speak to you. And if you are responding today, I want to encourage you to maybe find one of us as a staff. We want to believe with you, walk with you. It's about that accountability, not just going alone, but knowing you got people that have your back that want to believe with you, pray with you, hope with you, to know that even in the darkest place, God still has hope for you. Father God, I thank you for those that raised their hands, those that didn't even, or maybe should, or those watching online. Lord, thank you for your grace and mercy that even if we have run from you or pushed you away, allowed good things or bad, whatever it is, to separate us from you, whatever it is, it is still sin. And Lord, today we want to confess all of those things and we want to come running back to you. And today we don't have to keep going and running away. We can just maybe even just stop and rest in your presence. And Lord, I pray that you would just renew hearts and lives today, that you will reach down to the deepest, darkest pits, and you will lift them up and restore and renew as they choose to follow you, Lord. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. In your name we pray.